Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Faces and FinOps podcast powered by ProsperOps. The Faces and FinOps podcast is about highlighting thought leaders in the cloud financial management space and their insights on how they're making an impact not only within their organization, but the broader FinOps community. Today's guest is Wade Peel. He's a senior FinOps success manager at AWS. Now, Wade has been helping customers identify and implement cloud financial management opportunities over six years with AWS customers facing experience. Wade has helped both commercial and public sector AWS customers to implement CFM best practices. Please join me in welcoming Wade to the show. Wade, thanks for joining me. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So Wade, let's kick things off. How about you give the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, I've been at AWS for a little over six years now. I'm based in the Seattle area. I live in Renton, Washington, or if you're from the area, Renton, Washington, uh, which is just south of the city. So lived here my entire life. Um, and uh, as you can probably tell, I'm pretty into the outdoors. Um, and I you know, love the Pacific Northwest for that reason. Uh, well, I actually love the outdoors, but I know in Seattle, you've got a bunch of areas that you can explore. Yeah, definitely a lot of areas to explore in the in the Cascade Mountain Range area, you know, lots of hiking, climbing, skiing. But, you know, what I also like is we have the, the ocean and the Puget Sound right on us, too. So if, you, if you're more into the ocean area, you know, it's just a little bit of a drive in and you're right there, too. And some slight rain and cloudy days, right? Yeah, well, we're entering our like period of gray for six months. You know, we we get a little bit of rain, probably more less rain than we're known for, um, but definitely a lot of just gray skies. So, you know, part of being a native, I think I'm used to it. Uh, but uh, you know, eastern Washington is a lot different. So I got to go over there every once in a while, just get some sunshine in the winter time, uh, even though there's probably like a foot of snow on the ground, but at least it'll be sunny. So, some vitamin D. So, Wade, how about yeah. you tell us about your company, the organization, and a little bit about your role? Yeah. So, I you know work for AWS and I do FinOps or cloud financial management, you know, however we want to call it. And I uh, had a few different roles here. I started out on our customer enablement team, and that was basically helping customers with billing and operations and doing a lot of like RI transactions on behalf of customers. Uh, and then I moved over to start a cloud financial management team in our public sector business. I did that for three and a half years. Uh, and then I uh, had a little bit of a stay over on our cloud economics team. Our cloud economics team focused on cloud financial management, but also on business value um, and helping customers to understand like total cost of ownership, things like that. So I did that for a year, what we called cloud financial management methodology. So it was doing a lot of standardization around uh, cloud financial management delivery with our customers, but uh, I really missed our customer interactions and, and working with our customers directly. So I've now moved over to what we call the optics team, which is one of our many cloud financial management or FinOps teams within AWS. And um, I've now that uh, FinOps success manager role, which is a brand new role that we've created this year. Uh, think of it kind of like a customer success manager, CSM, but specifically dedicated to FinOps. So we're helping customers to develop a FinOps roadmap and implement that FinOps roadmap, measure the success, um, and focusing on kind of, you know, one of those top challenges with empowering people to take action on their FinOps opportunities. And so really excited to help scope what this role's like. And, you know, maybe in a few years, external customers, uh, AWS customers will have a FinOps success manager. Uh, and it might be, you know, an industry, industry standard term at some point. Wade, you've mentioned FinOps, CFM. Is there a difference between the two? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. So I was meeting with one of our partners earlier this year, and they asked me, why does AWS not like the term FinOps? And I just kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, that's not it at all. So, you know, to, to help clear some of that up. So I was in a FinOps background before I got to AWS, financial operations. So I think that term, you know, can be used really broadly. Um, the way I think about FinOps is that uh, it's a it's a process within cloud financial management. And when I think about FinOps, I think about um, it's more about the creating that culture of, of uh, cloud financial management and spreading that culture throughout the organization. And it might encompass things like um, measurement and accountability where we're understanding our cost and driving ownership back to development teams. And it might encompass things like uh, forecasting and cost optimization. You know, I think uh, FinOps is a catch-all term for all of that. But to me, it also means it's that uh, people change, that people process change, that as we move to the cloud, we have to have our engineering and our finance teams work closer together. And that inherently is FinOps to me. All right, I like the definition between FinOps and CFM and that there's the overlap or it's, it's actually joined with it. Wade, before you joined AWS, which was like six years ago, what were you doing? So I was working for Boeing and I was working with our engineers in the supply chain and helping to understand with our finance people that are out procuring the products, uh, procuring those airplane parts, what is that really going to cost? And if we had engineering changes, say we you know, put a bigger engines on a plane, so we had to beef up some of the support structure around that, uh, what does that look like? And so if we're making a part slightly bigger, um, but it comes out of the same stock size, so there's less machining time for the supplier to machine that part, the supplier might say, hey, this is a bigger part. It costs more money. And traditionally, Boeing might say, okay, yeah, fine, we'll do that. Uh, but when we worked with the engineering and finance teams together, we were able to understand, well, actually, this should be less machining time. So it actually should cost less. Um, and then on the flip side of that, we might have an engineering change that was actually more costly. Like we might be switching out an aluminum piece for something carbon fiber because airplanes are all about weight savings. And the engineer was told, hey, save as much weight as you can. So, that, OK, we'll switch to carbon fiber. But they didn't realize it was going to be 10x the cost. And so then we can have that back and forth conversation between engineering and finance to get to you know, a practicality around weight savings and cost and like speed the market. So, you know, very similar like financial operations where we're always evaluating those opportunities and bringing home as ones that make sense. Uh, but you might imagine that engineering for a plane takes a lot longer than, it, you know, engineering the cloud. So we, we don't have that agility, you know, that we do in the cloud. So I'm really excited when I'm at AWS to do some of those similar things, but we can make changes happen so much faster. Instead of years, we can do it in months. Wait, it sounds like you were doing FinOps before FinOps was ever a term for Bowie and working within other teams and collaborating to understand the total cost and the business-driven decisions behind changing parts or increasing parts or using different materials. Yeah, definitely was doing FinOps. And then when I got, you know, to AWS, we weren't even using that term yet, you know, six years ago. And then it started being an emerging term. And I was like, hey, this is a familiar word, financial operations. Um, and so I, you know, even though being in a more finance role at Boeing, I always wanted to be more on the sales side, but selling airplanes is completely different. Like, then, you know, so uh, I was happy to, when I got to AWS, I could be more in a sales function. Um, and, you know, all that work I had at Boeing had prepared me for my current role now. So it was actually a lot more relevant than I thought at the time. Wait, let's talk about a little bit of your team. Like you're underneath the AWS optics team, correct? That's right. And what are you guys doing here? What are you responsible for? 
Yeah, so the Optics team is one of many cloud financial management or FinOps teams that we have. And so Optics is focused on some specific industry verticals, which is really nice because it allows us to be more deeply embedded with our customers and be more, uh, not quite one-to-one. Well, some of our folks are one-to-one with customers, uh, but have a lot more dedicated relationship. You know, some of the roles I've had previously when I was in public sector, for example, supporting worldwide public sector and I, you know, had hundreds, thousands of customers. So it's really hard to like drive change with that, with the optics teams. We're really embedded with the AWS account team that's supporting our customers. Um, we have like really good access to customer cost and usage data. And where what we're doing is looking up and trying to identify cost optimization opportunities for our customers and then present those to the customers and help them implement. And then furthermore, help them celebrate those wins and, and spread that culture throughout the rest of their organization and you know develop more of that FinOps practice for the customer. Now, wait, is that your day-to-day or what does your day-to-day look like from a customer perspective? Yeah, so I'm still onboarding a little bit, still finding out a little bit more about what that day-to-day looks like. Um, But essentially, I I have a a group of customers that I'm supporting. And uh, a lot of the day-to-day, week-to-week is looking at the customer's cost and usage data, having some proactive outreach with the customer, having some maybe dedicated cadences. We might be part of the customer's MBR process. And we're presenting those opportunities to customers. And then what's really cool about optics is that we have actually solutions architects on our teams as well. So we might actually help the customer develop some, you know, their cost and diligence dashboard and help them implement some of that stuff because we have some of those technical resources available on our teams, which is, which is really awesome. Are you working with the new kudos dashboards at all? Oh yeah, they were definitely working with the kudos dashboards, and then you know we even we'll, we might help customers customize those. So I was on a you know meeting earlier today with the rest of the optics team, and we were reading out some of the successes that we've had with some customers. And you know one of our team members is working with a customer, and we they have a bunch of different uh, dashboards within QuickSites, and they were working on an integration process of helping to make that more streamlined on the customer side, where they have all these different dashboards, and how do we get more aggregated views of that and what is the best slice and dice for the customer so that they can, you know, drive more ownership with their business units ultimately. Now, wait, can you help our audience understand what are the Kudos dashboards? Yeah. So some folks probably are familiar with, say, like Cost Explorer, which is our like out of the box uh, cost and usage uh, analysis tool, which Cost Explorer is great for pretty much all customers. But if we need more ability to customize the views, uh, say, you know, in Cost Explorer, you don't have access to the payer account, but you have like three or four accounts that are underneath you. You might have to go into each of those accounts individually and view, you know, the recommendations. So what's really cool about the cost intelligence dashboard and some of the other dashboards that we have in quick sites is you can create more customized views uh, that are more relevant to you so if i'm like a product owner or business unit owner i could create a view that's really specific to me and shows me everything that's under my plate so that i'm only looking at data that's relevant to me and i have the ability to you know create some customized views of that and we even have dashboards like KPI unit metrics dashboards, which is one of the more end states of cloud financial management and FinOps is getting to that unit economics view. Uh, And so we have dashboards that are designed to look at some of the common KPIs and unit metrics uh, for customers. So they kind of get them started, but they can always add more, which is, which is a nice feature of that versus like you could, you can't customize cost explorer on your own. No, you couldn't. So thank goodness for the kudos dashboards. And I'm going to do something cheesy and kudos to them. Sorry, I couldn't resist. I mean, I'm sure so many others have some good puns for it. 
Absolutely. I think the, the name itself, they probably, you know, we're trying to pass kudos on to the customers that were doing really well or like the team members that are doing well. So uh, AWS naming conventions for different <laughs> services and products, it's always it's always pretty interesting. Uh, I wonder how many don't make it. No, we won't. Answer that. So wait, let me ask you a little bit about are you a one to one with customers or do you have one to many customers? So, you know, in the past, I've been more like really one to many. And now I have less than 10 customers that are directly under me. So I'm really excited about that to drive some more deeper relationships with those customers. Uh, and I think that's how you can really affect change. You know, um, when I first started AWS, I was working with some of our accounts. I only had four customers underneath me. And I really liked that uh, because I was on site with our customers a lot. I was part of their MBR, QBR processes and really helping them to set up those FinOps functions. Um, and so now I'm, I'm getting a little bit more back to my roots where I get to be a little more dedicated to our customers. And, and I'm really excited about that. Well, let's talk about your role as a senior FinOps success manager. As it applies to your customers, working directly with your customers, would you say that a majority of your customers or their organizations from a FinOps standpoint, their maturity is still in the early stages and the middle stages, a variation of crawl, walk, run? There, there's definitely a variation. And I would say within a customer themselves, between business units, there's definitely a variation uh, of, between those crawl, walk and run stages. And, and so that is, you know, part of that FinOps success manager role is we're really trying to help implement that FinOps practice identify a, a FinOps roadmap and then help to drive towards that. Because we know one of the hardest things customers have to do is taking action um, uh, empowering people to take action. And I think especially in this economic climate, there's a lot of like cost pressure from leadership, but it might be like a one-time thing, cost pressure from leadership. Oh, we need to cut costs because of the economy's, you know, uncertain. Um, but what we really need customers to do is like long term constantly be evaluating opportunities to save and then weighing that with, well, what's the level of effort to go get that? Um, and then, you know, weighing that with all of the other things that they might have on their technical roadmap. And so being more part of that process with customers is what that FinOps success manager is, is aiming to do. Um, we have some tools that of the trade that we might use for that. So one of the things we have is a CFM capability assessment, cloud financial management capability assessment. This is something that we haven't at AWS widely publicized, but we are getting ready to do so. We're going to have a session for it at reInvent coming up. But essentially, you, you probably heard of some similar things, you know, the uh, FinOps Foundation has their own assessment, partners have their own assessment, but it's it's going through uh, 44 different questions of, of uh, CFM capabilities and the customer ranked themselves one to five. Um, and then we have some benchmarks that we can share with the customer about other AWS customers, where they're at. And then we share prescriptive guidance with the customer on how they can improve. And then we use that to build a roadmap of uh, what we wanna do over the course of like the next year with them. Sounds like a well-architected review. Yeah, basically, exactly. Like a well-architected review specifically focused on FinOps. That's how I usually describe it to customers uh, when they're when they're wondering what it's like. I say it's pretty much like a well-architected review and it's specifically focused on FinOps. Um, and uh, we, we actually have some stuff cooking up with the well-architected team to maybe do some integrations with them in the near future with the capability assessment. I thought I saw something socially that it might be integrated or working on integration with well-architected, or maybe I just read it as that. And I was talking with Yuri and I was like, oh, this stuff is pretty cool. Uh, he'll be on a future podcast. 
But wait, let me talk a little bit more about how you're implementing FinOps within your custom within customers, right? Are you helping them drive that culture, implement from ground up to it, or are you helping them with a well, I don't want to say established, but a semi-established one to help evaluate them and progress them along? It's it's definitely a little bit of both. And within the industries that Optic supports, we're definitely supporting more of the mature customer, larger customer base. That was kind of the, you know, the mission of the team. Um, and so I would say as as on average with, with under the Optics team that we are helping customers with a more mature uh, FinOps approach. But what I, you know, am seeing as well there is that we might have pockets of, of FinOps success within within certain customers. And so one of the things that is a FinOps best practice, but, you know, it's not always followed is celebrating those successes and sharing the best practices. And I think that's where we really start to move from, like, say, a cost optimization type of function over to a FinOps function. It's when we're taking something that works really well for a customer, say, how do we use Spot at this specific customer? How what is the best practice for implementing it? Because Spot's one of those things where people can be really hesitant to take advantage of it because of that like risk of it being recalled from you. It can be kind of scary, right, for an engineer. Engineers are always used to developing stuff that's going to be there all the time for them. And so how do we take it for that specific customer of how it worked for them within a business unit and then share it up to those other business units? Customers are always asking us um, at AWS, show me another customer just like me who's doing FinOps and how can I implement it like them? They want to see something really specific towards them. And the most specific we can get is within their own company, right? And so that's part of the you know, processes of, of the FinOps success manager is helping to celebrate and share those best practices. I think one of the biggest challenges with benchmarking against yourself or trying to benchmark against other customers is that you don't have the data and customers aren't going to readily share how they're doing benchmark wise within, you know, publicly, they'll share it internally. So the only way, like you just mentioned, is I can share some of the success stories from within your own company on how well we're doing. Right. And, and then, you know, there are companies out there that are really good at publicizing as well. Like I would say Capital One is really good about that and, and open sourcing some of their things like the cloud custodian. And so I, I really appreciate that when we have customers that are so willing to open up and, you know, go speak at reInvent and share their stories or, you know, get on like um, uh, a podcast uh, or, or maybe get on one of the community events that we might host and, and be willing to share. Um, and so I think that's really important. This is very much an emerging field and, and we're creating it every single day, right? And so I think it's really important for customers to be willing to share because that's how we all get better um, at, at this. Wait, would you be able to share some of the biggest challenges you might see your customers facing now, whether they're trying to implement FinOps or they already have FinOps uh, you know, implemented within their company? Yeah, I think one one of the big challenges is there's always going to be way more opportunities than we could ever go and like action upon, right? And, and so I think uh, how do you evaluate that opportunity and understand what the level of effort is to go capture that and then implement it and then further on um, measure the results of that? Because uh, 
if we don't measure the results of the all the effort that these people are doing and then celebrate those successes, uh, it's really hard to get like leadership buy-in to go do more FinOps work, right? Like once we've like cut the bill a little bit and then, the, you know, there's less uh, sponsorship from the executive team about going to do more, then it's really hard to like establish that true FinOps function. So that's definitely, you know, one of the challenges that we see. It's like, let's take it from less of a one-time activity um, and move it towards more of a, an actual like mature practice. Um, and then I think another one is uh, adopting some of these newer technologies. Uh, so everyone is can be have their own level of like hesitant to change, right? We, we're releasing new features and new technologies all the time at AWS. And so it's about going and adopting those new ones, like and testing them out and seeing what works for you. So whether that be like Graviton or whether that be adopting serverless technology or whether that be making sure we're on the latest and greatest instance type or volume type, like moving from GP2 to GP3, there's always something that we can be doing out there. And so um, the hesitancy for, you know, people to go capture those, it, it might be a result of like, they don't have the buy-in. If I'm an engineer and um, all my management cares about is like making sure we're releasing new apps and making sure they're up and running, they don't care about cost. Well, I'm not going to be caring about cost, right? Because like, I don't get any support for that. And so I think it's about like creating that right, like top-down level support so that uh, our engineers are empowered to go out there um, and make some changes. And, you know, we're probably going to have to roll back some of those changes. They're not all going to work the first time, right? So that's important about like, let's make sure we do it in the development environment first, not in production, you know, and test that out, make sure it works for us. And, and then we can go implement it more broadly once we have something that works. And don't implement it on a Friday. Actually, that's very key that you started talking about that is that all changes, whether you try to implement them, right, and they didn't work or they weren't successful and you had to roll them back, that's actually okay. That's okay for you to understand that these changes are cannot be made with this environment. You tested in dev, it worked successfully, you went into production, you did, you made a mistake, okay, that's checked off and you have to avoid that going forward. Have an executive buy-in. And the other thing that you mentioned is that this is not a one-off. This is not a one-off exercise. I've been involved in so many customers that they're like, oh, I just want you to do a cost savings uh, you know, evaluation on my environment. But that's just a one-time thing. Here, go do right-sizing. That's like the key thing. Or S3, right. you know, make sure you use all the capabilities. But make sure this is a continuous loop. And, you know, the FinOps actually talks about the three phases, that you're continuously doing this, that that's why you're in a crawl, walk, run. And then if you ever hit the run stage, you're eventually going to kick yourself back to maybe a walk stage and right. new stuff's going to come out and you might have to go into a crawl stage. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I agree. Uh, at Amazon, we talk a lot about like one-way door decisions versus two-way door decisions. And so like, you know, just for everyone who doesn't know, one-way door decision, be we walk through that door, we can't go back. Like we're, we're going forward. This is, you know, we have to make it work. Or a two-way door is like, we can easily walk that back. Um, and so if it's a two-way door decision, we should have more like bias for action. Let's go try it and see if it works. Um, and then also, as you mentioned, that continuous loop. So, you know, something that didn't work for us two years ago, a lot of people would say, oh, we tried that before. We don't want to do that. Like, you know, Spot could be an example of that. But architectures change, right? So a lot of customers are um, adopting more microservices now. And that's a perfect use case for Spot because they're inherently more like loosely coupled fault tolerant, right? 
And, and so I, we were just going through an assessment with one of our customers, those capability assessments. And previously we had ranked them higher on their spot utilization, but we went back and ranked them lower and actually reduced their maturity on spot utilization because now their environment's changed. They've utilized, uh, they're utilizing more microservices. And so we're pushing them to use more spot. Wait, can you help us understand what type of automation that your customers are using, whether it's for reporting capabilities or to handle some of these tasks like right-sizing, uh, evaluating, maybe going to Graviton or GP3? What are some of the automation that your customers might be using? Yeah, well, I would say there's automation within Cost Explorer that like any customer has access to. So one of those things would be like budgets and alerts. And so let's like at a baseline level, make sure we have a few of those set up. And so that way, like if our savings plan coverage or RI coverage starts to drop before below an acceptable level, we can be automatically alerted for that. Or like uh, we can have some alerts that are set up based on expirations of those reservations. That way we don't forget, you know, it's really easy to forget if we have some RIs expiring, especially in like our managed services like RES, um, where we want to maintain that coverage. Um, if, if your RI expires and then six months later you realize it, uh, well, we've been spending on demand for that six months, right? So definitely some baseline automation that we can have within Cost Explorer just in the console itself. And then there's moving towards like the, the kudos dashboards, cloud intelligence dashboards that we talked about. I think that's another way to automate some of those like unit metrics reportings or other types of reportings. So that way we can quickly look at a dashboard and know, and even built in some, you know, like notifications off of that. Um, so we can know more detailed level of analysis on, on some of our cost and usage. And then if we want to go like step function further, there's partner tools out there. So many different partners in the AWS partner ecosystem that customers can take advantage of that are not only going to help automate like the monitoring reporting, but can actually help automate some of the implementation, like the right sizing or um, automate like some of your purchase processes around reservations. So there, there's a lot of uh, automation available and customers can kind of pick and choose. And obviously like as we go further down the line, like as we get into partners, you're going to pay for some of that, but you're, you know, going to be getting the value and offloading some of that operational burden. So it's about kind of picking and choosing the level of automation that we're looking for. And then, of course, customers can build their own automation, um, utilize things like Cloud Custodian or some of the open source things out there um, and, and take advantage of, you know, more builder-based automation. Now, wait, we're talking about automation and things, but let's talk about AI. And I know it's the hottest term right now. Everybody wants to talk generative AI, but do you see AI impacting FinOps at all throughout the implementation, throughout the journey? Absolutely. So pretty much every single executive briefings conference that I'm part of with a the customer, they're always asking about AI. And I love to sit in on those conversations. I've been fortunate the last two EBCs that I've done, the session right before me was about AI. And I got to sit in and, and learn about that from some of the you know AWS experts that we have. I think it's it's definitely one of the hottest topics. And you know, one of the ways that we, we might think about that is just a new technology, right? It's part of the ecosystem of, uh, of the cloud, right? And it's a new technology. So if we went from like EC2 to then like containers or, or we go to serverless technology, these are new technologies that are enabling us to do more with less um, and be more agile. AI is gonna just be like another step function improvement. It's like off the charts compared to some of these other technologies that we have. 
but um, it's it's really in its infancy, just kind of in a lot of ways, like the cloud is in its infancy. And so how exactly it's going to be implemented at different customers is kind of yet to be seen. I think uh, from a development perspective, some of the gen AI tools that we have around helping cut, uh, helping engineers to code faster and, uh, and make recommendations for them, uh, like uh, Amazon Code Whisperer, I think is is an example of that. And, and now we've released it to where it can actually integrate with the customer's code base that they might have in it in some of those like um, machine learning templates that they might have already built on their side. Um, and so I think that's a way in which we can create more like business value um, and more agility on behalf of the customers. Um, there's probably a lot more that's going to be done. Like we're already using machine learning to help customers forecast their cost and usage. That's probably just going to get better and better as we can make more and more inferences with trends. Um, but one thing I will say is that FinOps in, in the technology space, we love to throw technology at a problem. If you go tell a leader that you're going to go solve a problem with people, they're going to look at you like you have two heads, right? But uh, I think FinOps is one of those spaces uh, within technology that we cannot solve with technology alone. And we never will. So it's all about picking our finance and our engineering teams, putting them closer together. And AI can assist with that, but it's never going to be the whole solution. And so we, we probably won't want to lose sight of that. We're not going to solve everything with AI, uh, but it's going to augment a lot of the, the things that we're doing in FinOps. Wait, I agree with you. AI is just going to help things get better. We're still in the early stages of learning and understanding its capabilities. We're getting very creative on where we can implement it, and it's just going to assist us to go faster and do more things efficiently. I, I think we've got a lot in store for us and in the future for AI. Now, wait, I'm going to pivot real quick and ask you our one final question before we get to some fun questions. This one's a real serious one, and the reason I say it's serious is because this is going to be some advice that you have learned throughout your career of working not only in FinOps but in Bowie. Is that what piece of advice would you give customers who are trying to start out in their FinOps journey? Ooh, that's a good one, um, and I and I definitely work with a lot of customers that are just starting out. And one of the things that I'll say that I almost always do with these customers when I'm talking with them is overwhelm them, um, maybe intentionally so to some degree because I want to like wake them up to hey, this is a function that we you know should be developing as FinOps, uh, but also like I try not to overwhelm them too much. And so I would say if you're just starting your FinOps journey, there's so much information out there, uh, especially to when like I started six years ago. We didn't have like the tools and cost explorer that we do now. We didn't have these dashboards, all this stuff. So like, don't feel like you need to adopt all of it at once. Try to think about what can we do in the next six months? Because it, I've seen a lot of customers get analysis paralysis and we've, we've showed them all of these things that they can do. And I go follow up with them six months later and I'm saying, okay, what are we doing? And we're back at, you know, exactly where we were six months ago. And, and I think that's really easy to do when there's so much going on, so many competing priorities. And so it's all about what can we do in the next six months? Let's pick some things that are really actionable that we can go do. There's always low hanging fruit to go grab, especially when we're just getting started. So just go and try. Um, and if you fail, that's okay, because you learn from those failures and then try again and uh, you know adapt from that. So don't get stuck in that analysis paralysis stage. I think having the data, the analysis is very key when starting out in FinOps is to understand your data, put it all together, make sure it's validated, trustworthy before you go ahead and try to move on to the operate and optimize phase because you want to understand the low hanging fruit, all the other areas that you can do things, but don't jump on it right away. Go through it, understand it, 
and you don't have to be successful in month one. You just have to be moving forward and you're not in the same spot. You said make the data trustworthy. I think that's another thing too, is earn trust amongst your peers yep. at your at your organization. And so like uh, imagine if you're an engineer and a finance person walks up to you and is like, hey, I think we can right size this instance. And you're like, no way, dude, that's going to make my app run slower. Like I'm not going to do that. So you got to make sure that we're like speaking the same language as earning trust. And when you make a few of those wins, you know, internally uh, at a at your own organization and you're building that trust amongst uh, your peers, then it helps you go further with the next project. So yeah, definitely like, let's make sure that the data that you bring forward, you know, you understand it and it is trustworthy. So that way, when you go to bring it to someone else, you can get buy-in from them. I think uh, generating buy-in is huge when it comes to FinOps. I don't want to oversell it too much, but it's very key because think about it. You're a financial guy, right? Okay. So Wade, you're going to play the part of the financial guy. I'm going to be the engineer. And you come to me and you tell me, hey, we need to right size this in this instance. It's costing us too much. Get a lower one. And I tell you, no, it's not going to work. That's not going to go anywhere, right? You're not going to trust me. We're not going to get anywhere. But if I told you, you know what? Let me look into it. We might not be able to get to the instance that you're recommending because of the limitations and the licensing requirement. But we might be able to go down just a little bit because it needs to be efficient in the performance for that application. What did I just do? You trusted me that I am working with you. We are a team to it. And we're trying to accomplish the same thing. Now, next time you come to me and tell me we need to do this. And I say, no, it's not possible. All right, I'll put it on my list or whatever it is. It's a give and take, but it's the buy-in. It's the trusting of the information and doing it and working towards the same goals. Yeah, I think it's definitely about like understanding the motivation. So as the finance person, I want to know like, okay, uh, John, as, as an engineer, what are your motivations? What are you trying to do? And so how can I help you achieve your goals with that? And that's how you build that relationship and create trust. It's all about give and take. I have a, a little bit of a competitive advantage there. My dad was an engineer um, at Boeing. And so like, I always think about like, how am I going to talk to him? Like, or how would I talk to an engineer? Like I talked to my dad because uh, growing up, he'd always be like these finance people, they're always saying it's too expensive, you know? And so like, I really got that perspective. And so I think I have kind of a, you know, a unique perspective where I can talk both sides, engineering and finance. Um, and I think, you know, not everyone's going to have a dad that's an engineer, but think about what is an engineer's motivation? Like, what do they measure on? How can you help them achieve their goals? And then they're going to, you know, kind of communicate to them. What are your goals? How can they help you achieve your goals and work together? I don't think anyone goes into their job as an engineer and thinks, I want to make the most expensive thing possible. They think, I want to make the you know best application possible that's going to be the most resilient and that I'm not going to be hearing from my manager about how it's down all the time. Um, and so how can we help them achieve that in a way that's the you know most cost efficient, which doesn't mean the lowest cost. It means that it's the most cost effective you know, for the set of requirements that we have. I like it. All right, Wade, let's change gears. to our. I know we got off topic a little bit, but it was a fun conversation. I wanted everybody to understand not only the FinOps culture, but the business data-driven decisions behind it. Let's have some fun questions. Uh, Wade, you going to reInvent? Yeah, I am. I'm going to be at reInvent, and I'm, I'm speaking at reInvent this year as well. So um, COP210 is my session ID, uh, just for a little shameless plug there. If you want to go, if you want to <laughs> I go love that chat. little plug. <laughs> chat with me. It's going to be a chalk talk. So we really can get the opportunity to have a dialogue back and forth if you want to come check it out. And, you know, we have a conversation. So it's going to be a purchase option strategy. So developing your purchase option strategy. And this one has actually requested um, based on our uh, cloud operations leadership team uh, from 
things that they've heard from customers in the past. A lot of customers have been going looking for a session like this. And uh, so I'm, I'm happy to, you know, be delivering that. And, you know, we're going to talk about things like savings plans, reserve instances, spot usage, the correct usage of on demand in, in the right places, um, and be answering a lot of customer questions. Chalk talks are about like, for those who don't know, like 15 minutes of a little presentation just as an overview. And then the rest of it's all dialogue with the customers. So really excited to be doing that. Um, and then, as I mentioned, we have a, a session on the capability assessment. I don't have that session um, idea on the top of my head, but uh, we're going to be actually doing a live demo with the capability assessment as an additional session. So we'll have one going over the capability assessment and one live demo uh, where you actually can will we'll actually answer some questions real time with customers on their capabilities uh, and uh, kind of do like, you know, a shortened version of the capability assessment live there. Out of all of reInvent, what are you looking forward to? Ooh, good question. I think part of what I'm looking forward to the most is just sitting at our booth, our cloud financial management, our cloud ops booth, and like, you know, having customers walk up to me and be able to ask me any kind of question that they want about cloud financial management and FinOps and just have that dialogue with them. I love meeting with our customers. Uh, that's one of my favorite parts about my job. That's why I moved over to the optics team where I'm at right now versus my, my previous role that I had in cloud economics. Wayne, my last question for you is if you didn't have to be here right now and I'm talking at work because you want to be on this podcast, where would you be? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think it would have to be doing something with the outdoors and I'm really passionate about animals. So like if I could have like an animal shelter, especially for like wild animals, you know, maybe even like for like wild bears or something like, I know that sounds crazy, but like that would be an amazing job, super rewarding to me. You know, I get a like look on Instagram and, and see some of these animal shelters and kind of like experience that that way. Uh, but I would love to do something like that. Um, and, you know, take care of, of animals. I think we have a lot to learn um, from animals um, and it'd be a really rewarding experience, you know, being able to like re-release them to the wild or just like use it as an education piece as well. So people could like learn more about, you know, how to respect the wildlife uh, because, you know, they were here, you know, just as long as we have been, if not longer. And so like they deserve to be here and, you know, I want to protect their habitat. So Wade, before we wrap things up, who are some of the most influential practitioners in FinOps today? Yeah, good question, John. So I was taking a look at some of our previous Faces in FinOps podcast, and I noticed a familiar face in there, which was really cool to see. Uh, it's, you know, truly the Faces in FinOps. It, it was Dieter from Roku. And so I actually uh, worked with Dieter back when he was on the Intuit uh, team, and I was actually supporting him from the AWS side. And so I was always really impressed with uh, the Intuit team and, and what they were doing from a FinOps perspective. And I think Dieter, uh, he was always like, um, really good about driving action items. So every time I went to a meeting with him, I always had like way more stuff to do coming out of the meeting than I did going into the meeting. Um, and so I think he was really uh, someone that actually taught me a lot about FinOps. You know, like we're not just on the AWS side teaching customers, you know, it's kind of a two way door there as well, where we're learning at the same time. So definitely learned a lot from Dieter. Um, and it, and it was cool to see him over on Roku. And, uh, you know, his face has definitely been around. I heard about someone on, in my previous role on the Roku side that was a really good FinOps practitioner. And then I was like, okay, it's, it's got to be Dieter, right? You know, uh, so he's definitely a face out there. Um, and then 
one other person I'd probably say is, is my manager on the optics team or our, our senior leader on the optics team, Alex Head. Um, she's been at AWS for you know probably just as long, if not longer than me. Um, and she's you started the optics team and it's someone that's been really influential um, at AWS, helping to, to lead the charge for CFM or, or FinOps. Wait, I had the opportunity to interview Dieter. He was great. Awesome guest on there. I learned so much about him. Small world. And of course, Alex Head, who's been on my own personal podcast, an awesome person who's got a great team. Uh, I love talking with her. She's she's cool to have on the show. She's got an interesting perspective. You have two great influential practitioners in FinOps today. It's really nice. Kind of blessed to be able to interact with both of them and you know, definitely learned a lot from them. Well, Wade, thank you for joining us for the Faces in FinOps podcast. Thanks for having me, John. It's been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Everybody, Wade Peel, who's a senior FinOps success manager at AWS. This has been another awesome episode and discussion around Faces in FinOps powered by our good friends at ProsperOps. Be sure to hit that like, subscribe, and notify, and also check out the ProsperOps blog. Until next time.